Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning again. I also want to take a second to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in uh, today for the third week of the year and the third week of this series that we're in called Spiritual Habits. Uh, Two weeks ago, we started this and we talked about this one habit that has the power and the potential to change everything else about our lives, and that's having a daily quiet time with God or spending time with God daily. And last week, we continued into that, and we talked about adoration or worship and how we can live with worship as a lifestyle. Uh, And again, just like I said last week, if you missed either one of those, I want to encourage you to go online and and watch that. Take some notes, uh, because each week we're going to build on this, uh, and it's going to help us to develop this habit in 2023 of spending time with God every day. Uh, But just like I did last week, I want to start by giving you again this outline uh, that we discussed in week one. And this is sort of a plan for you uh, to spend time with God every day. And we start with adoration. And we talked about that last week. That's where we worship. Then we talked about, uh, or the next part of this is confession. And this is where we confess our sins to God in very personal, practical terms. Uh, And then there's meditation, which is where we fill our mind with God's word instead of emptying it like worldly meditation uh, and where we allow God's truth to change us. Remember, this is just a few verses at a time. It's not about the quantity of scripture that you're reading. It's about the quality of your focus on it and the ability to then apply those verses to your life. Then there's Thanksgiving, which is where we give God thanks for the things that he's blessed us with, uh, because that Thanksgiving, that gratitude, it changes our attitude, it changes our perspective. And then fifth is supplication, where we pray for our needs and the needs of those around us. And lastly, we end with declaration, uh, which is where we take those truths that we learn from scripture and declare them over our lives. And this is a powerful thing because the more you declare these things over your life, the more solid they're going to become in your mind. And as they become solid and you start to believe them, they begin to change how you live your everyday life. So... Today, we're going to go a little bit further, and we're going to talk about how we can listen to God's voice, all right? And when I say that phrase, everyone has a little bit of a different reaction to the idea of hearing from God or listening to God's voice. For some people, that seems a little bit crazy, right? You might be thinking, I need to leave here and go get checked on uh, because I listen to God's voice. There's something in us that thinks, even as Christians, that this is very uncomfortable, right? And some people might say, I mean, it's, it's one thing that I'm believing that there is a God, period. And now you're asking me to listen to his voice. We've become very skeptical about this, all right? And we don't want to be skeptical because that's an extreme. And again, on the other extreme is where we're superstitious about God speaking to us. We've taken the idea that, that God speaks to us to such an extreme that it almost becomes mystical. It's something that we, we overemphasize and exclude scripture instead. Uh, as always, the best place to be is probably in the middle of these two extremes. We don't want to be skeptical and we don't want to be superstitious, all right? I personally believe that God has been speaking to us, to humanity, since the very beginning when Adam and Eve were in the garden. He spoke to the nation of Israel through the Old Testament, 
He spoke to uh, the early church through the New Testament. I believe he speaks to us today. He's given us the presence of his Holy Spirit to speak to us today. But as always, I want to start with some clarification here, uh, something that we need to understand from the very beginning before we move any further, and that's this, that we have to be very careful when it comes to hearing from God or listening to his voice, all right? And I'll give you several times today the few ways that I believe that God speaks to us today. I believe that he speaks to us through his word in scripture. I believe that he speaks to us through the presence of the spirit. I believe that he speaks to us through our circumstances. And I believe that he speaks to us through other people. But perhaps the only infallible source of revelation from God that we can absolutely know is real and true is scripture, all right? We believe it every time. We trust it every time. We know that when we're reading the Bible, we're hearing what God has said. And if I interpret it responsibly and correctly, then I know that I'm getting a perfectly true message from God. But when I think that God has spoken to me in one of these other ways that's not scripture, I then have to take that idea and submit it to the authority of scripture. And this is where we have to be very careful, all right? So if you ever hear me, which you won't, or someone else saying, this is what God told me. I know what the Bible says, but God told me this and it's a little bit different and it doesn't quite line up with that. Run away from that person, all right? Get away from them because scripture must have the authority over everything we think we hear from God. And that's why I said in week one, if you're spending your time with God every day, but your Bible's not open, you're walking a dangerous path because everything has to be submitted to the authority of God's word, period. So when someone comes along and says, well, God told me, listen, that's great. I'm glad that he told you. But if it doesn't line up with what his word says, I'm not gonna listen to you. So instead we say, well, let's check on that. Let's submit that to the authority of God's word and see how it lines up with what he says. That's how we stay in the middle, where we're not skeptical and we're not superstitious. So today from that middle ground, we're gonna talk about how we can hear God's voice. How do I daily hear God speak to me as I read his word? How can I read it in such a way that it comes alive to me? I believe that the Holy Spirit has to be involved in that time of reading. And as we study God's word, the spirit helps us understand how these verses apply to our lives. And this might happen every once in a while, uh, but when it does, it changes everything, right? You might open your Bible every day and feel like you're not hearing anything from God and you're just reading, but there will be a day when you read it and you feel like God is speaking just to you. And that moment is gonna be pivotal. It's gonna be life-changing that you experience the spirit communicating God's word to you. But seeking a dramatic experience with God every single day would be exhausting. And I do believe that they can happen sometimes, but I also think that God probably more often than not speaks through a still small voice that every day as I read his word, he uses that time to mold me and shape me into the likeness of Jesus as I listen to what he has to say, all right? So I want us to take a look at a passage of scripture about a young man who experienced this at one point in his life. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter three. You can also follow along uh, with our event in the YouVersion Bible app. But in 1 Samuel chapter three, Samuel is on track 
to become the last of the judges and the first of the prophets in Israel, all right? This is a very pivotal time in the history of God's people. It's a very pivotal time in the history of the nation of Israel. And Samuel is sort of the hinge or the bridge, so to speak, between uh, the judges and the prophets, between one era and the next. And where we're going to read from today, this is a, a story from Samuel's childhood, where the Lord calls him in 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is what it says in verse 1. The boy, it's important to know that he's a boy. All right. Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. Again, we're between two eras here. Okay. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. And before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. The Bible says in verse four, then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am, Eli, you called me, right? And what does Eli say? He says, I didn't call. <laughs> Go back to your room, lie down, get out of here, right? So he goes and he lies down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel jumped up and again, he went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. He says, I didn't call my son, go back and lie down. The Bible says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And once again, for the third time, okay, as a parent, you know, you're getting impatient at this point. The Lord called Samuel and he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling Samuel. So he tells Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you again, say, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. All right. This is a critical moment in the Old Testament. This is a critical moment in the history of Israel. This is the beginning of the prophecy. This is the beginning of Samuel's experience of receiving a message from God that he would then go and deliver to the people of Israel. Okay, now we know Samuel as an Old Testament prophet and none of us are Old Testament prophets, right? So I don't necessarily think that we can relate to God the same way that Samuel did, but I do think that there are some things in Samuel's story that we can learn from. First of all, I... I, I am drawn to how patient God is with Samuel, right? As I read these verses, all I can think about is God's patience. He keeps calling Samuel over and over again. And each time Samuel gets up and runs to Eli and says, what, what do you need? What do you want? Why do you keep calling me, right? But God continues calling Samuel, even though Samuel runs to the wrong guy. And this happens three times. And by the fourth time, God finally gets Samuel's attention and Samuel's response is a sermon and a lesson in and of itself. He says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, all right? Samuel immediately puts himself in the position of being subservient to the one who's speaking, right? With this posture, Samuel's saying, you're the authority, 
I'm here, I'm listening to you. What do you want to do with my life? What do you want to do with me? He says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I think that one sentence is a model for us to follow when we open our word and ask God to speak to us. Because we're speaking to and we're hearing from a very patient God who does want to communicate with us, but we're sometimes hard of hearing. Does anybody struggle with the problem of listening like I do? Yeah, all the men raise their hands, right? When it comes to hearing from God, we must realize that we have very imperfect ears. And that's why we have to be so careful with what we think we heard God say. That's why we have to make sure it lines up with scripture because yes, God speaks perfectly, but we don't always hear perfectly, all right? So we have to wrestle with this. We have to take time to learn how to listen to God's voice in scripture. And it does take time. It does take attention. It takes discipline and focus and practice. I believe it takes a lifetime for us to learn and become great listeners of the voice of God. The problem is, we're starting with a deficit, right? The problem is that we're lost and broken sinners who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And yes, we're born again. Yes, we're brand new. But the old version of us still is hanging around, right? The old body of flesh is still here. I'm still living in this broken world. I still have some bad tendencies and some bad habits. I still have some brokenness and some pain. And all of that has a, has a big impact on my ability to hear from God. So we have to be careful as we listen to him. Here's the big truth I want you to understand today, and it's this, that intimacy in a relationship with God comes from actively and attentively listening to his voice, all right? Here's what I mean. If you wanna grow closer to God, the way you grow closer to him is by spending time with him. Amen. And that's why we're doing this series. That's why we're starting the year off this way because the way that we grow with God is by spending time with him, relating to him, speaking to him, hearing from him, reading his word, looking at the life of Jesus. We grow closer to God as we spend time developing our relationship with him. The same is true in a marriage. The same is true in a friendship. The same is true in the workplace. The people that we intentionally invest in and spend time with are going to be the people that we know the best, right? So the pathway to growth and intimacy in your relationship with God is having this daily time with him, where we listen to him, where we hear from him, and where we then be obedient to what he says and tells us to do with our lives. As we spend that time with him, growth flows out of that, all right? So we start with adoration, right? We start with worshiping God, praising God. Then we do some confession and we confess some things that are broken in our lives. And then meditation. And meditation, again, in this sense, is the filling of the mind, not the emptying of the mind. This is where I focus on God's truth that is revealed in his word. So this involves reading, right? This involves studying. This involves digesting and thinking and meditating. And in that thinking time, it involves listening. In my experience, this might be the most difficult part of our quiet time with God. Maybe even more difficult than confession. 
So we talk to God for a little bit, we read from his word, and then we take some time just to listen. And this is difficult for us. The hardest thing for us to do is sit and listen because we're so easily distracted, right? One of the hardest things for us to do is just to sit and be still and be quiet and soak it all in. But it's one of the most important things we can do in our quiet time with God, all right? And here's why. Listening is the difference between reading the Bible just to say I've read it and reading it in a way that it changes the way I live my life. That's listening. It's the difference between reading the Bible to say, yeah, I gave it my five minutes and reading it in a way that it changes who I am and the way I live. Intimacy with God comes from getting quiet and letting him apply his word, his truth to my life. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, all right? It's the most difficult part of our time with God, but it's the most important, all right? Now, I wanna really quickly, again, maybe for a little bit, uh, an expanded version of before, mention again the ways that I believe that God speaks to us. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter one, the very beginning note of Hebrews is this, that long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways, all right? But in these days, he's spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. What does this verse tell us? It tells us that in different seasons throughout the history of humanity, God has spoken to people at different times and in different ways. So how does God speak to us today? Again, I believe four ways. I believe he speaks to us through his word, all right? Again, this is the only infallible source of revelation from God that you can know is true every single time. Because like we talked about last week, whether you believe it or not, his word is always gonna be true. All right, so he speaks to us through his word. He also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit helps me to apply the word of God to my life as it communicates it to me in a personal way. We can hear from God through the Spirit. And again, the Spirit, like God, is infallible, but my ears are not. So I have to be careful with what I think I've heard and submit it to God's word. I believe he also speaks to us through our circumstances. Now, does this mean that Every circumstance is a message from God. No, not necessarily. Sometimes things just happen and we may never know why, but other times God uses our circumstances to lead us, to change us, to help us, all right? And then lastly, I believe he speaks to us through other people, maybe through a sermon, maybe through someone who counsels you, maybe through someone who gives you advice, maybe through someone who walks through a difficult season of life with you, maybe through someone who holds you accountable. God sometimes speaks to us through other people, all right? So he speaks in four ways, through his word, his spirit, our circumstances, and other people. The question then is, how do I hear God's voice through these things? I wanna give you a couple of attitudes today, some simple instruction for this meditation and listening part of your daily time with God. And the first one is this, we need to be expectant, all right? Expectant. What did Eli tell Samuel? Go back to bed and listen again. Verse eight, once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel and he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Eli knows in this moment that the Lord was talking to Samuel. So he says, go and lie down. And if he calls you, 
Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place and the Lord came and stood there and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responds, speak for your servant is listening. Here's the key. By this time, Samuel was expecting to hear from God, all right? And in the same way, when I open God's word in the morning, I expect God to communicate with me. Now, again, it's not always dramatic. The room is not always going to shake. The walls are not going to come crumbling down. God may not physically manifest himself in your living room, all right? It's simply talking about God's spirit moving and helping me to apply his word to my life. Here's one way that this happens, through conviction, where the spirit of God lets us know that there's something in our life that needs to be corrected. He often reveals that to us through his word. So in order to hear his voice, we need to be expectant, okay? God gave Jeremiah this great promise in Jeremiah chapter 33. He said, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things that you do not know. This is another Old Testament prophet. And in the context of this verse, God is telling the prophet Jeremiah, when you need to hear from me, call to me and I will answer you. God says, come to me and I'm not going to turn you away. And the principle that we draw from this verse is that God is faithful. That when I call to him, he hears me. Now, does he always respond the way we want him to respond? No. Do we always hear what we want to hear? No. But God doesn't turn us away. He invites us to call on him. And when we do, the Bible says that he will answer us. All right. Throughout the month of December, I read through all the words of Jesus that we have recorded in scripture, a little study that I did. And one thing that I found Jesus talking about a lot was faith, all right? Jesus had a lot to say about faith. He had a lot to say about expectation. And it's ironic and unique because he did this at a time where the people of God, the nation of Israel, had not heard a word from God in 400 years, all right? Jesus talked to the nation of Israel about faith during a time when they were essentially in survival mode. And Jesus came to these people who were in survival mode and he said, hey, if you say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea and believe it with no doubt in your heart, it will be done for you. What Jesus was saying about faith was pretty shocking and strange to their ears, but he was trying to awaken and rebuild the power of faith and expectation in their lives. And the same thing happens to us. It's another new year and I'm just in survival mode. I've been in survival mode for five years and now here's year six, right? Sometimes we get so stuck in the rut and in the routine that we stop listening for God's voice. We need to be expectant, all right? Here's the next piece of advice. You with me this morning? Here's the second thing, be quiet. There you go. That's hard, right? But Psalm 62 verse five says, let all that I am wait quietly. Everybody say quietly. Quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Listen, sometimes you just need to be quiet. 
Now, again, that's not easy for us because a lot of us like to talk. When we think of prayer, what we think of is talking and asking, and we forget that prayer involves a lot of listening, right? Listen, your prayers with God must never become a one-sided conversation. Never. We have to listen as well. So sometimes we just need to be quiet and submit to God and give him the opportunity to speak to us. The Bible has a lot to say about stillness, but we really struggle with stillness in our culture today. We talk about how busy we are all the time, almost as if it's like a competition. Almost anytime someone asks me, how are you? I almost always say, I'm busy. How's life? It's busy. But in all of the busyness, we need to find time to sit and be quiet and be still before the God of the universe to hear what he has to say. We have to be quiet, all right? Here's the third thing, number three. We need to be dependent. So we come to God with expectation. We're quiet. And now we're depending on him to move. First Corinthians chapter two, Paul says this. It was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, all right? For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep Secrets, okay? No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Here's the good news. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual things. Very confusing passage. Thank you, Paul, right? But in the first part of these verses, Paul's basically saying, no one can understand the mind of God except for the Spirit of God. We can't read his mind. We can't read each other's minds. We can't possibly understand the mind of God. But Paul says the spirit is God. And since the spirit is God, the spirit understands the mind of God. And that spirit that understands the mind of God is alive in the life of the believer, right? So we have this information. That's why we don't think the way the rest of the world thinks. That's why we're able to recognize the blessings that God has given us. Every word we speak, Paul says, was not taught to us by human wisdom. It was from the spirit of God. So if I want to hear from God, then I need to be dependent on the spirit of God. In other words, I don't know anything without him and his willingness to speak to me and communicate with me. We are aimless unless God speaks. We have no direction We have no purpose. We have no idea why we're here or where we're going unless God speaks. And God has spoken. Be dependent on him. We don't get to make it up. We don't get to decide what our purpose is. We don't get to decide why we're here on this planet. God has already decided all of that. And he reveals himself to me when I'm dependent on him, okay? Here's the fourth and final thing, be teachable. All right. If you want to hear from God, you need to be teachable. Don't miss this. Teachability is the missing ingredient in many of our lives. Because the opposite of teachability is pride. 
I know it all. I've got it all. I don't need help. I've got this figured out. Instead of being prideful, teachability means that I'm willing to submit my life to God and ask him to lead me. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to Timothy, and this is what he says. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for four things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Paul is reminding us that scripture is literally the breath of God and that all scripture is useful. The Bible is practical. And he lists four things that it's useful for. He says it's profitable for teaching. In other words, the Bible gives me all the information that I need to know. He says it's profitable for rebuking. It points out the errors in my life. It tells me what's wrong. Then he says it's good for correcting. Once it reveals those errors, it corrects them with a better way, a different way. It takes the broken pieces of my life and fixes them. And lastly, he says, it's good for training in righteousness. So it continues to give me all of the instruction that I need for how to live my life. Paul says it does all of this, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that we may be complete and equipped for every good work. In other words, everything I need to faithfully live the Christian life is found in the word of God. Cover to cover, it has everything I need and it directly applies to every area of my life. But it only works if I am teachable. It only works if I bow before God and say, God, I am nothing without you. So please teach me. Please teach lead me. Throughout my life as a Christian, as I've developed my theology from scripture, most things haven't changed or wavered one bit. But there are some big things that we have to agree on as Christians, that Jesus is the son of God, that he was born of a virgin, that he died for our sins, that he rose again, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, that the scriptures are God's word, that God is three in one. These are big things. These are primary issues that we have to agree on as Christians. But there are some secondary issues where our world sort of believes that it's a little bit more difficult to figure out the specifics of those issues. These are secondary issues. But these secondary issues are the ones that the Christians argue about all the time. And if we're not careful, these secondary issues can quickly become primary issues depending on the mood that we're in that day, right? But with every single one of these secondary issues, I truly believe what the Bible says. If you ever ask me, what do you believe about this? I'm gonna turn the question back on you and say, what does the Bible say about that? You know what most people say when I ask them that? Well, I don't know. Well, come back to me when you do because <laughs> I don't wanna hear it. The Bible is where our opinions must come from. With every issue, we come back to scripture and say, God, I know nothing unless you tell me. I know nothing unless I have opened your word. I don't come with my preconceived ideas. I don't come with my own personal agendas to impose on what I'm reading from God's perfect word. Instead, I'm teachable. I allow 
what I'm reading from God's word to shape what I believe about everything else. That is teachability. And according to Paul, the Bible is good for that. Everything we hear from God has to be submitted to his word because his word is enough to guide us through this life. So hearing from God, here's what it is. It's something that we need. We need to receive what God would say to us. We need what God has to offer us. We need what he has to say. It's not just a desire. It is a daily need in the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but there are often moments in my life where I don't know what I'm going to do next. There are moments in decision-making where I'm not exactly sure what I need to do. And in those moments, of course, there are people that we have in our lives that we talk to, right? I have a few older, wiser pastors that I talk to, one, almost on a daily basis. I talk to my wife, I talk to my family, I talk to people in church. And all of that is great, but I desperately need to hear from God as well. And the good news is God has spoken. He's given us his word. And I wanna show you something about it. And I take us all the way back to the Garden of Eden quite a bit because I think it's important for us to remember where we've fallen, right? So I want us to just for a second go all the way back to the Garden. The very first people that God created were a couple and their names were Adam and Eve. And he created them and he placed them in this place of paradise. It was perfect. We call it the Garden of Eden. You can read this story in Genesis. I'm sure you have. If you haven't, go home today and read the first part of Genesis. But Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden and everything is wonderful. Everything is bliss. It's like the ultimate sandals resort with the presence of God. Okay? Everything is good. He made this perfect place, this paradise, and he gave it to Adam and Eve. And in it, they had everything they needed. God filled this place with fruit trees and animals. And he said to Adam and Eve, you get to name them and spend time with them. It's like they were keeping a zoo, but there were no cages, right? And God says, enjoy it, tend it. There's just one rule. There's one tree in the middle of the garden and you cannot eat the fruit from that tree. And as long as you don't, you'll enjoy this paradise as long as you live. So like any rebellious teenager, where do Adam and Eve start hanging out? By the tree. And eventually they're tempted to take a bite. And as men, we love to say, well, Eve took the first bite. Yeah, while Adam watched her. Get off your high horse, all right? The Bible tells us that Eve took the first bite as her husband was there with her. No better, Adam, okay? And they ate the fruit. And in that one moment of disobedience and rebellion, they plunged all of humanity and creation into depravity, destruction, and death. Hallelujah, right? They were handed paradise and they lost it. Now, when God gives you one rule, okay? One rule and you go and willfully break it, your sense of hopelessness and fear is probably going to be pretty heightened in that moment. Wouldn't you say, what have we done? They put clothes on, (laughs) we've ruined it, we've broken the one rule, we've rebelled against God. He's gonna be so angry. Can you imagine the one rule? Is he gonna take it away from us? Is he gonna kill us? What's he gonna do? So in their fear, 
they hide. They hide. And that's what we do, right? We hide in our shame. We hide in our fear. We hide because we don't know what to do with our sin and our rebellion. So we, like wonderful, brilliant people, hide from the all-knowing God, hoping that he doesn't show up because if he does, it's not gonna be good. So God comes walking into the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? God is all-knowing. He knew exactly where Adam was. He didn't lose Adam. God does not suffer from amnesia. He knows all things. He knew exactly where Adam and Eve were hiding. But this question was about more than a physical location. God was asking Adam, where have you gone? What happened? What changed? God's heart was broken over their brokenness. Now, did God have to come into the garden to speak to Adam and Eve? No. God did not have to speak. He didn't have to show up in the garden. He didn't have to send his son Jesus to die for you. He didn't have to come after us. He didn't have to send the prophets with a message. He didn't have to send the kings to lead the nations. He didn't have to give us his word in scripture. We don't have to have thousands of years of heritage to look to. He didn't have to give us the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ passed down from person to person until it's made its way into our hearts here today. Hearing from God is a privilege. It's a privilege. He didn't have to do any of that. He could have said, well, Adam and Eve, you broke the rule, you're done, start over. The God who spoke the universe into being and flung the stars into space can wipe us out with a single breath. But instead, he went back to the garden with a broken heart saying, Adam, where are you? And I believe that he would say the same thing to us today because you and I have sinned. We've rebelled against God. We've done the exact same thing Adam and Eve do. We've broken God's commandments and we deserve death, but he gives us life and he speaks and he invites us and he draws us closer to him and he loves us. And we need to say yes to his invitation and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Make me teachable. Make me dependent on you. I trust in you as my Lord and Savior. Lead me, guide me, mold me, shape me, change me. I submit my life to you. And in response to that, he hands us his word. 66 books that has been preserved for thousands of years. It's been burned. It's been banned throughout centuries of persecution, but we're lucky enough to have it laying on our laps or collecting dust on our shelves. We have it on the screen. You can download it on your phone for free. Listen, God's word has been preserved to us. For us, it's still alive. It's still changing hearts. And it gives us the opportunity to hear from him and know him and grow in our relationship with him. That's the goodness of our God speaking. And he wants you and I to hear him. All right, let's pray together today. Father, we come before you and we thank you so much.
for the wonderful gift of your word. May it become the greatest treasure of our lives. God, we don't want to take it for granted. We thank you for speaking it into being and for preserving it for us. So Father, we pray that your word would become more important in our lives. We know that it has the power to change us and we just pray, God, that you would help us to treat it with that reverence and awe. As we develop the habit of spending time with you every day, we pray, God, that you would speak to us. We pray that you would allow us to posture our lives in such a way that we would hear your voice. God, when we come to you, we expect you to speak. Use your word, Father, to speak to us. Help us to be silent and quiet and still before you. Give us ears to listen. God, we depend on you for everything. And our lives are nothing unless you've spoken direction into our hearts. And most of all, Father, we pray that you would make us teachable. Give us a teachable approach to what your word says. And we thank you again for the power that it has to change our hearts and in our lives. And we pray that you would use it to do that. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you're in a place today where you're hiding from God the way Adam was. Listen, I truly believe that God would be calling out to you the same way he was to Adam saying, where are you? Where have you gone? What has happened? God could have left us in our shame, but instead he sent Jesus to rescue us because of his great love for us. The Bible tells us that Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I could not live because we all fall short, we're all broken, but Jesus lived that perfect life. He died the death that we deserve to die because the wages of our sin is death, right? Sins against an eternal God bring eternal punishment, but Jesus died the death that we deserve to die, paying the penalty for our sin, and then he rose from the grave to give us new life, and the Bible says that if you call on his name, he'll save you, he'll restore you, he'll make you brand new again. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that's you today and you wanna place your faith in Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me today. Church, let's make this our prayer together. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.